Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Hardware Podcast. My name is Jackson Danner, alongside my good friend Omar Borja. Uh, you may be wondering to yourself, what am I doing listening to Jackson and Omar? The college football award season is over with. Well, one, you're not wrong. Two, we do have some all-star games that we're going to be uh, previewing here on the pod. A lot of these names will be familiar as they are guys that are up for awards or were up for awards with that uh, time of the year. But uh, it's not just the Senior Bowl and the East-West Shrine Bowl. Uh, there are lots of them. There's the Hula Bowl, the Tropical Bowl. I mean, we've, we've got a lot that we're going to be covering over the next few weeks here on hardware. So uh, today are two that I mentioned, the Hula Bowl and the Tropical Bowl. that are taking place this Saturday on the 15th. So, yeah, we're going to be previewing those. And, hey, just because they're, you know, maybe a Tier 2 type of uh, all-star game does not mean there's not Tier 1 talent on these. Plenty of guys that you'll be uh, hearing about on uh, on especially Day 3 of the draft. Lots of coveted UDFAs that are going to be coming out of this, and uh, including a Super Bowl-winning head coach that's going to be a head, uh, head coach at the Hula Bowl or one of the teams in the Hula Bowl. So, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. I mean, if bowl season's the most wonderful time of the year for me, all-star game season is the second most wonderful time of the year because you know how much I like history. Uh, all-star, it's good. I mean, it's good that all-star games are coming back in full force um, like in the old days because it seemed like there was a million all-star games in the old days because, because before cable television, I mean, the most you had was like your regional game on ABC and, you know, you saw a player once on TV per year, and that was it. And then these all-star games nationally televised. Um, I, I interacted with a with a writer, with a football pro football writer on Twitter, Dan Daly, who mentioned um, that the first time he saw Bob Hayes, Bullet Bob Hayes, a Hall of Fame Cowboy and 49er, um, was in the North South Shrine game on Christmas Day, which was nationally televised on Christmas. Um, so yeah, it's it's I'm excited for these all-star these all-star games. It's a second most wonderful time of the year, and yeah. Second most wonderful time of the year. And it uh, works out really well for you, Omar, that Valentine's Day is smack right in between two. So the momentum can kind of hopefully carry you into that, carry you out. <laughs> well, let's talk about some football. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, we got the HBCU Legacy Bowl a little bit after Valentine's Day, right? So you'll you'll be all right. Don't worry. Oh, so. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, man. Okay, well, we'll go ahead and start off with the Hula Bowl. Uh, I'm going to go over this coaching staff a little bit because there are going to be some familiar names if you've been, you know, paying attention to the NFL at all within the last, you know, decade. Uh, Brian Billick, the head coach of the Kai team, uh, love paying homage to the kind of Hawaii team names from when this used to be in Hawaii. Uh, it's taking place in Orlando now, by the way. Uh, Brian Billick was the Ravens head coach from 1999 to 2007, won Super Bowl 35 with them. And as if that wasn't good enough, the defensive coordinator is Wade Phillips. Uh, you might remember him as the head coach of the Denver Broncos, Buffalo Bills, Dallas Cowboys. Uh, he was let go of the Rams pretty recently, only to be replaced by some guy named Brandon Staley. I think he's done okay at the Chargers this year as the head coach. Uh, since he got got the job over there on the not the other side of LA, right, but uh, within LA, uh, and then Kevin Sumlin, the uh, former uh, Houston, Texas A&M, Arizona head coach, is going to be the wide receivers coach for the the Kai team, and then we've got on the other side of the ball, uh, other side of the field, we've got Mike Smith, former head coach for the Falcons, 2008 NFL head coach of the year, and Tony Wise. 
Glad it's not in Hawaii, man, because Tony Wise would, would have trouble paying for the luggage to haul his uh, Super Bowl and National Championship rings all the way over there. So the, those things must be heavy, right? So um, uh, so he's going to be the offensive line coach. So, yeah, lots of really good NFL, uh, not talent, but NFL coaching talent that's going to be coaching up these young guys. And, uh, hey, hopefully Brian Billick, Wade Phillips, one of these guys can kind of whisper in the ear of maybe one of those current GMs to, to take a chance on these guys. Yeah, and that's just another aspect of why these All-Star games are so great because you have old, you have, uh, old NFL coaches, you know, uh, kind of putting back on the headset and everything. And it's like a blast in the past, like uh, doing some research for an article today, uh, looking at the old East-West Shrine game coaches. I noticed the 2013 game, it was almost like, you know, straight out of the 80s and everything because you had Jerry Glanville versus Lehman Bennett. Um, so you never know, I mean, where, they, where, where they'll pull the coaches out, um, you know, coaching these games at their, at their old age and stuff like that. Even though Brian Billick's not all that old and neither is Mike Smith, more recent in the coaching game. Uh, granted, Lehman Bennett had been 30 years removed from his last coaching job and they pulled him out for the Shrine game, which is cool. But yeah, I just love the coaching staffs. It's great that these players get uh, experience with coaches that have been there, especially like a Super Bowl winning coach. And uh, in Brian Billick and a playoff uh, playoff coach and Mike Smith, a guy who made a couple of deep playoff runs with the Falcons. So it's great for the players as well. Um, so, yeah, just another aspect of these games, that why, why we love them. I've, we're already getting off topic, but wasn't Steve Mariucci a uh, head coach for, uh, was it the East-West Shrine Bowl not that long ago? I bet he was. I'll have to look. Um, yeah, I know he did I, I think something. He I, I believe it was the East West Shrine Bowl. Like I want to say, like 2017, 2018, something like that. I could be wrong. I, I feel like I saw Mooch uh, on the sidelines though for something. So, anyways, yeah, you want to go start going over to some of these players that we're gonna keep an eye on here in the Hula Bowl? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, I'll go ahead and kick us off. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, – I'll, I'll start with a quarterback first. Probably should do that, right? I'm going to go with Anthony Brown. Uh, lots of ups and downs with Anthony Brown at Oregon. Uh, he led them just short of a, of a bowl win um, this past year. But, I mean, gosh, it's any – Anytime you have to replace Justin Herbert, it, it's going to be difficult, right? Uh, so, and you know, dealing with Mario Cristobal leaving for uh, for Miami. Uh, so, Anthony Brown, uh, glad he's getting a, a chance, a, kind of a fresh start in a way that you get to be in front of scouts and everyone at the Hula Bowl. Uh, you don't have, you, you, I mean, you have the reputation preceding you, but you also get to deal with a new staff, get to deal with new players get some chemistry, hopefully. So, yeah, I mean, I know I'll be pulling for Anthony Brown in this game. Uh, lots of – I think we're going to be paying most attention to a lot of group of five guys and some FCS guys as well in these. But Anthony Brown, definitely a power five guy that we'd really like to see show out and, uh, and put on a, a great show. And so honestly, I like the book on Anthony Brown. I got I got a comparison for you, very easy comparison. I think uh, Tyler Huntley. So Tyler Huntley uh, played in the East West Shrine game. Um, you know, even though it's a bowl now, I'm going to keep calling it the game because I'm that much of a purist. But uh, Tyler Huntley played in the East West Shrine game. The book on him was that he was more of a game manager, of course, because um, he had, I think, Zach Moss running the ball for that, that Utah team in 2019 that nearly made the playoffs. And he made some plays, too, with his legs and with his arm, didn't make many mistakes, had single-digit interceptions. Anthony Brown's in the same boat here, where he had 2,998 yards and 14 games, a little over 200 per game. But Oregon had that strong run game with Travis Dye and C.J. Verdell before he got hurt. 19 touchdowns, 7 picks. 
didn't make many mistakes, made a lot of plays with his legs, 658 rushing yards, accounted with sacks. So uh, with sacks, at least over 700 yards, nine rushing touchdowns. I think the biggest thing with him was just getting an offense to allow him to make plays because the, the game manager book would be even, it would be even more stacked against him if he, if he had stayed at Boston College. Because at Boston College, um, did, he dealt with injuries, but the most rushing yards he had in a season was 200. Severely misused in Steve Adazio's scheme. But can you blame Adazio for misusing him when he had A.J. Dillon to hand the ball up to? So, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Anthony Brown takes kind of like a Tyler Huntley-type trajectory where he ends up signing a UDFA deal, uh, works his way into camp as a backup with a scheme that really fits him, and, you know, comes in and makes some plays as a backup, too. Um, you know, I always like the Tyler Huntley jokes where they call Tyler Huntley Lamar Jackson. 2.0. Uh, there was a joke that was like, uh, because Lamar Jackson's injured, the Ravens are going to start Lamar Jackson as a picture of Tyler Huntley. But all jokes aside, I'm excited to see what Anthony Brown does, especially with some deep threats, which uh, we'll talk about later on um, in our hula ball preview. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are plenty of guys that went undrafted, right, as quarterbacks. Uh, Jim Hart, uh, Tony Romo is probably one of the bigger ones. Uh, Jeff Garcia, I believe, was an undrafted free agent. So plenty Jim of guys, Hart. right? Jim, can you put a Jim Hart reference? I wow, Jackson, I love it. I'm loving it, man. <laughs> Jim, that is not what I expected. We're I talking mean, about the St. Louis Cardinals, not the baseball <laughs> team. We're talking about the football team. Wow, I love it. Yeah, man. Uh, pull the the history books there. A little, little bit like you right there, but hey. I mean, plenty of undrafted free agent quarterbacks that have had success. Um, and I mean, it's tough enough as an undrafted free agent to just make the roster. Look at Felipe Franks this past year, who got a few snaps out of, you know, after coming out of Florida and Arkansas, and he's stayed on the roster in Atlanta for a little bit. So, I mean, plenty of opportunity. It's not the end of the world if you don't get drafted. Anthony Brown hopefully sneaks in that sixth, seventh round. If not, yeah, I mean, there's going to be plenty of teams, you know, ringing his phone and ringing his agent's phone, I guess, right, to uh, to sign him as a UDFA. So uh, I'll go ahead and, and move on. Or did you? Yeah, go ahead. Go with your guy. Yeah, I sure. Guess. So I'm going to yeah. go with my next quarterback, another quarterback that I like a lot. I'm sure you like a lot, too. Uh, Levi Lewis from Louisiana, a uh, bit of a smaller quarterback uh, below six feet. But man, I mean, height doesn't matter anymore in today's NFL. You know, we see Kyler Murray, of course, as well. We see Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, you know, getting starting jobs. But I mean, Levi Lewis is a guy that uh, has good touch in the pocket. Um, not afraid to run the ball, of course, at his size. Good pocket presence for a small quarterback. Great mobility. And again, another guy that does make many, many mistakes at quarterback. And when helped out with a, with a good run game like he had throughout his career at Louisiana, um, especially with Elijah Mitchell, um, excuse me, Elijah Mitchell last year. Uh, he also had Raymond Calais uh, running the ball too in 2018. Uh, another very solid back that they had. But yeah, Levi Lewis, really good playmaker. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, I'm excited to see what he does with pro coaching as well. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see if it was well, we'll see if it was if Billy Napier's scheme had a big role to do with it with uh, Levi Lewis's um, great career. But I mean, the dude's a winner, too, man. Like, I know I know that is such a cop out, like, but he he's a winner. Like the last two years, I think um, Louisiana's record was 23 and one. Like. There's something to be said about that. Like I don't, I don't care about what the numbers say. 
Uh, I want Levi Lewis to get his chance. And like his stats, for example, like like when it, when we say the guy doesn't make mistakes, mistakes, these were his uh, touchdown interception ratios. He has a career seventy four to eighteen touchdown to interception ratio, twenty six touchdowns, four picks in twenty nineteen, nineteen touchdowns, seven picks in a twenty twenty, twenty touchdowns and four picks, and then on the ground as well, uh, three hundred rushing, three hundred forty three rushing yards with sacks, accounted for five touchdowns. Just um, another Anthony Brown type quarterback, but um, would love to see what he does in a pro scheme. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, if he had another year of eligibility, he'd probably be transferring to Florida, right? <laughs> Along with everyone else in Louisiana, it seems like. But yeah, uh, Levi has had uh, historic years in you know Louisiana's history. Um, so it's, it's going to be awesome to, to see what he can do in the Hula Bowl and showcase, hey, not under Billy Napier, a guy who's clearly a, a very good head coach. Um, looking forward to seeing, hey, what he can do in front of scouts and under, do you know what team he's going to be on within the Hula Bowl? Is he going to be under Billick or, or Smith? Uh, let, let me check really quick because um, yeah. the Hula Bowl is slow to upload the rosters. Um, I yeah. know we have to do our research on Twitter. Uh, which is kind of annoying, but um, yeah, let me ch- I'm checking that right now as we speak, whether it'll be on Ina or Kai um, about events. Let's see. There are a lot of tabs on top of this channel or on yeah, top of this yeah, website. Let's see. Athletes. Navigate. There we go. Okay, there we go. They uploaded the roster. So Levi will be on you control F this. Levi Lewis will be on team team Kai, team Billick slash Kai. So and he'll okay, be throwing awesome. to some some of the targets. Yeah, yeah he's got some good th- targets to throw to. Um looking at it. Uh yeah, a couple guys that, that I'm Kevin talking about. So. Working with his receivers. So yeah, that'll be awesome. That'll be awesome. Yeah. So yeah, definitely a, a chance for Levi to, to show out in his uh, last time putting on a Louisiana helmet. Um, I'll go ahead and move on to my next guy, Raheem Blackshear, running back for Virginia Tech. He's a, a Rutgers transfer, a high school teammate of Kyle Pitts, by the way, uh, in 2021 at uh, Virginia Tech, 133 attempts, 760 yards and six touchdowns. He's a really a, a straightforward back. There's not many unnecessary moves. He's elusive but it doesn't look like he's you know playing Madden out there either. Not a big back, but he's powerful for his size. Now he's really best outside the tackles. Uh, so if you're running between the tackles with him, he's, he's 2.9 yards per carry up the middle, 5.6 yards per carry to the left and 7.7 to the right. So he is definitely at his best outside the tackles. Uh, you know the Maurice Jones Drew Crow that I always say, if you can't catch, you can't play as a running back, right? 10.6 yards per catch, and it's not just Wilson Flass. He can run a route tree out there. Uh, so he he certainly can play in that aspect of the game. I Personally, I think he's best as a rotation. I, I doubt he'll land up as a as an RB1 anywhere, but I'd, I'd love to see him you know, come in for you know third down, something like that spice it up and uh hey maybe even a little bit of slot right we're seeing guys i know um yes it was urban meyer but travis Etienne worked a lot as a uh just a slot receiver in the jaguars training camp right he worked out mostly with the and saquon barkley runs out of the slot all the time obviously christian mccaffrey so we're seeing a lot of guys not named derrick henry doing this it'll be awesome to see uh what he can do catching the ball of the backfield that's what i'm most looking forward to that and outside the tackles will be awesome to see Absolutely. And, and uh, the running back crop for the Hula Bowl is just absolutely exciting. Um, you know, I got more than a few guys at running back listed um, on my players to watch. But, yeah, it's, it's great to see a guy who, uh, you know, shared carries in the backfield, especially like last year with um, with I don't know. Was he was he at Virginia Tech last year with Khalil Herbert in the backfield? Um, yeah, he yeah, might I, have I, been, actually. Yeah, I'm not I, sure I think he was. Top of my head, but I think he might have been. 
So yeah, I mean, guys sharing carries and getting his time to shine. So it's good to see in these games too. And uh, we got some, we also got some uh, real workhorse backs in the group of five as well in this game that we'll talk about in a sec. But uh, you know, one more, one more quarterback that we have. So the the other quarterbacks playing this game. Um, so we got Brandon Peters and Cole Kelly, who will also be playing in the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl at the Rose Bowl Stadium, which we'll cover, of course, in a couple weeks. So a uh, brief mention there, Cole Kelly, of course, uh, coming in. I think well, he's in the top three for the Walter Payton Award and one in one one in the spring in 2021 so brief note there but our next quarterback nick starkle from san jose state um you know and again that's a, that's a guy who won in a tough situation in uh in 2020 with san jose state uh led them to a seven and one record um and just from his tape to re-watching the highlights from the boise state game uh of course from 2020 uh he just stands in the pocket well delivers all the intermediate throws very well has nice touch on like on the deep balls too um just just really solid too and he had plenty of weapons at san jose state as well so um uh, you know, just it'll be good to see Nick Stark will have a have just have another goal at, at, a, at a final all-star game um, because he had, pre- I mean, really like a Odysseus like path in college uh, going from Texas A&M to Arkansas going like I think he threw four or five picks against San Jose State transfers to San Jose State. If you can't beat them, join them. He joined them, led San Jose State to their first conference title since like the 80s um, or since either the 80s, or early 90s. But great, great quarterback there. And it's great to see him have one more game in the bounce house. Yeah, absolutely. That'll be awesome to see. And hey, we've talked a lot about San Jose State, especially in a a lot of our 2020 season podcasts uh, with all the success that they've had. Uh, So yeah, it'll be it'll be awesome to uh, to see what Starkle can do one more time. Uh, My next guy, uh, we just interviewed uh, a fullback. So I'm going to go with the fullback here, right? Uh, Clint Rakovich out of uh, Northern Illinois, Western Illinois transfer. 104 attempts, 461 yards, and 13 touchdowns on the year. Uh, So, I mean, he has had a phenomenal year for a fullback. What I really love about him, though, 126 career receptions and 10 receiving touchdowns. I mean, how often do you get to see that for a fullback, right? Uh, It's awesome stuff. It's not just a some, you know, finesse old style fullback, zero career fumbles out of, you know, all the carries he's had. So uh, really looking forward to seeing Clint and what he can do. We said it last night, right? Football's better with the fullback. Can't wait to see what he can do. Rakovich will also be in the East West Shrine game in February. But the thing with, with Rakovich is Rakovich can, I can see him just becoming also like that super back position that uh, Dan Vitale played in college at Northwestern, or uh, even just going back to tight end. Cause it seemed like he played tight end at Western Illinois with uh, all the catches that he had, barely ran the ball. Northern Illinois, Tom Hammock, uh, running great, former great running back for Northern Illinois, looked at him and saw him more as a fullback. So to fullback, he went and he did not disappoint, had a 96 yard touchdown against Western Michigan earlier this year um but yeah just an intriguing prospect there's there's a few good fullback prospects that i'll briefly mention xander horvath for purdue um you know fullbacks from purdue what can you say you know the great mike allstott i mean you know it's it it, it rolls off the tongue but the, the comparison rolls off the tongue um you also got joey kenny from rhode island a guy who's a blocking specific fullback but, you know, fullbacks at the, at the, out of the Colonial Athletic Association, Pat Ricard, the perennial pro bowler out of Baltimore. So, I mean, just a lot of good fullback talent. It's good to see them having them on the roster, too, because, you know, some some teams some teams have superior schemes because they have a superior fullbacks like the Niners. Um, <laughs> not not being a homer at all there. But, um, yeah, staying stay in the backfield, though, for my next player, 
Um, so at running back, well, when we talk about the running back crop, it is just an amazing running back crop. And these guys could have easily made the shine bowl, I think, if um, you know, those running back rooms weren't as crowded. But I'm gonna start off with uh with a guy that we talked about a lot in the spring, Julius Chestnut, the uh Walter Payton Award finalist in 20 in the spring of 2021, dealt with injuries this year. But um, just looking at his game, he hits holes quickly, bounces it to the outside very quickly. Um, not a, not a hesitant runner at all. And it's good to see him go from the Northeast Conference to, um, you know, play against a lot of guys on defense that, uh, you know, a lot of power five guys on defense, a lot of guys that made a lot of great plays in the backfield in the, you know, from a secondary and linebacker. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see him adjust the speed of, um, you know, power five, but I have full confidence that Julius Chestnut will be able to um, just a player to look out for there um, in, in the backfield all the way from Fairfield, Connecticut. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, this backfield is stacked. So I assume we're going to be seeing a lot of running the ball here uh, for sure. So and and that's a good thing, right? Because there's just so stacked talent in the backfield for, for both squads in the Hula Bowl. Uh, I'm going to go with a receiver, ironically, right? And just after I say that, uh, a guy you might recognize from when we had our spring season podcast for the FCS, did Gene Dixon, the wide receiver from Nichols, historic season i i couldn't find my nickel state shirt for this uh podcast unfortunately but uh that's how good they were for a few weeks right uh no worse than 14 yards per catch a year uh seven plus touchdowns every year in 2000 yard seasons despite having that shortened spring season uh i mean he's still even in that short spring season with only a handful of games eight touchdowns 4.7 yards per catch and only 35 receptions so just really a, a lot of quality production put over even in a short span right uh, now one thing he has struggled a little bit against is quality presses and he's also not much of a vertical threat um so what i'd really like to see him do is like improve one of those right either be a better vertical threat or be good getting off press where you can you know actually get separation on these slant routes and you know in routes and stuff like that so if he can figure out how to do one of those two under the uh, the coaching at the hula bowl the nfl coaching at the hula bowl man something to watch out for because he is a raw talent yeah i mean there's a lot of good receivers at fcs level and the d3 level too um you know again i, I kind of want to stay in order uh because you got me excited talking about Dejean dixon because i mean you know there, there's just so many studs um you know in this at the at the lower levels too and that's that's just a great thing too i guess about the hula bowl um it had taken um did you want to did you want to take it really quick one thing I want to add about that, right, is just it's something that it seems to go back to like the high school level is if you're, you know, fairly tall and you have ball skills, you know, if you're kind of a receiver corner build, they're putting you at receiver. So we have such a corner shortage right now and you're finding starting receivers in the like fifth, sixth, seventh rounds in the draft doesn't for these receivers. Like if you're in high school and you're listening to this and you're pretty good, please flip the corner. Like there are plenty, there are way 
there's much more of a neat corner right now. As it's something I'm passionate about. Lack of DBs. There's a real DB shortage. Same thing with offensive and defensive line. If you're talented, if you're a big dude, you're getting put on the defensive side of the ball. That's why we have no quality guards and tackles coming out, it seems like, besides in the first round. So, hey, a sudden my piece just need to get out of my system, but it's something that goes back to, I mean, like the middle school level. Like, if you're good, you have ball skills, please, like, play corner. Like, we've got plenty of receivers. And corner is a superior position, I will say. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, speaking from experience, you don't, you don't need to be Deion Sanders. So you just got to have good football IQ and, uh, you know, and be able to make tackles, and you'll be a JV starter. And look uh, at Trevon Diggs right now. Look at Trevon Diggs and how he leads the NFL in interceptions right now. That like He was recruited by Alabama as a wide receiver. I mean, he talks about how he talked about with his brother about how he like, almost cried when Nick Saban asked him to flip sides of the ball in the corner. Look at him now. Incredible corner. So it's a lot of the same skills as just everyone's playing receivers because those stats are a lot cooler. If you're a really good corner, you don't have good stats because, you know, you're not getting interceptions because no one's throwing at you. So. Yeah, no, D-backs are absolutely cool. Uh, main takeaway from that. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to speed up uh, my backfield analysis a little bit here uh, because I could go on for days. So we got we got Bryant Kobach from Toledo, also in the bowl game. He had, in the Hula Bowl, he had 1,400 yards for the Rockets this year. Uh, he's got really good vision. Uh, just, uh, just another back to watch out for, along with Charles Williams of UNLV, uh, who had – Two, he had two 1,200-yard seasons and wasn't on the best. It wasn't on the best teams uh, for the Rebels too, but he did what he could. Um, has absolutely great bursts and just you know changes directions very well. He's got like a like a few highlight reel runs where um, you know he just zigzags around the field. So very entertaining back there from UNLV with uh, in Marcus Oro's offense. And then the last back that I'll that I'll talk about here. Sorry, I lost my place a little bit. Oh yeah. So you know of course everyone remembers Jarrett Patterson last year. But in 2019, um, they had two 1,000-yard rushers. The second 1,000-yard rusher was Kevin Marks Jr., um, who was a bigger back, a more prototypical type pro back at six feet, uh, 205 pounds. But he's hard to bring down. Uh, you know, guys just kind of like bounce off him, like looking at his highlight film. Um, and it's kind of a shame that he was overshadowed by, by Jarrett Patterson with all of his greatness, too, because any other game, um, any other school, like he'd be, you know, top dog. Um but yeah, no, Kevin Marks too. I mean, the, one of my favorite things too is uh, when the Camellia Bowl returned to Christmas on 2020, just Kevin Marks having a gritty 30 carry performance on Christmas day against a, against a Marshall defense that, you know, hardly got any, you know, any points scored on them throughout the year in Conference USA. So Kevin Marks is just a, a guy that's just durable and will carry the ball 30 times if needed. Um, so that's that's my um, end wrap up of the, of the running back room in the hoop. Yeah, Jared Patterson, as you mentioned, doing great stuff for the football team right now. And uh, yeah, that's going to be that's going to be awesome to see who doesn't love Christmas Day football. Right. Anytime we get the chance to talk about Christmas Day football, we'll mention it. So thanks for the, the excuse to talk, talk about how great that is. Right. <laughs> um, I'll go ahead and move on to, to my next guy. Going to flip to the defensive side of the ball. C.J. Brewer, a defensive tackle for Coastal Carolina. 47 tackles, nine and a half TFLs, a lone interception, six quarterback hurries on the year. 
uh, really needs some coaching. He does have a lot of raw talent and seems almost a little bit underdeveloped. The good news is he is a special teams regular for Coastal Carolina, which is something I'm sure he'll be doing in the league. Uh, so he should have you know, no problem transitioning to that and hopefully gets the development he needs in the meantime. He's put on that much production and just doesn't seem to really like great hand strength, but not great hand placement, you know, quick feet, but not great footwork. Like just a lot of stuff like that, that, Hey, with coaching a little bit of cleaning up, man, he could do really good stuff if he's already having this level of production without that. Right. So looking forward to seeing what he can do with, like we've said multiple times, some NFL coaching out in the hula bowl in Orlando. Uh, and yeah, hopefully seeing the next step in the league. Yeah, and I mean, Coastal Carolina is sending three guys, I think, to the to the Hula Bowl, and Teddy Gallagher, um, you know, the great linebacker known for his mullet, which is known as the Chanticleer Chandelier. Uh, I think I heard um, I heard Ryan McGee call it that, and wow, that is that is in a in the Hall of Fame of nicknames right there. But yeah, CJ Brewer as well. Just I mean, kind of like like a smaller guy as well. Uh, but like you said, like raw talent. I mean, and, and size size isn't a huge thing apparently too. If you have the strength and tan. Um, you can become a guy like Aaron Donald and Aaron Donald, of course, like all the, all the advanced metrics say is probably, you know, top five, great uh, defensive player of all time. So, um, you know, technique and size. And like you said, coaching should, should help him get there, especially NFL coaching uh, um, there too. I'm not sure the line coaches are, but I'm sure they're guys with wealth of experience. So um, Jackson's outpacing me a bit here. I mean, I love so many, so many guys in the hula ball too. I mean, I really thought they did a great job with the roster um, given how confusing the situation is with uh, both the COVID year and guys, I guess, like, opting out of all-star games in general. It's just a really confusing situation, but there's a great receiver group and I kind of like speed run through this. Um, we got a couple deep threats. Um, you know, I, I don't know what teams that, what teams that are in the, in the hula bowl, but you got Bryce Singleton for FIU, a guy who averaged 18 yards per catch. And like um, that FIU team had a really great passing game after, you know, really a, a horrid year in a 2020 passing the ball um leaning on leaning on Devonte price a lot but uh this year they had tyrese chambers who we talked about a little bit in the blinnikoff race and then they also had bryce singleton a guy who you know had some really great performances like six catches 199 yards against old dominion uh, another great deep threat is isaiah weston and when you think about you know the football that's played in the missouri valley conference you think about Pierre Strong um, in South Dakota State. You think about um, North Dakota State and, you know, their million fullbacks and especially uh, Hunter Lipke going off in the title game. But Isaiah Weston brings a change of pace there. Like the last two years, he's averaged over 20 yards per catch, including um, this year where he had 43 catches. All right. I think it was either it was either this year or 2018 where he had. Uh, yeah, I, th I think it was. I think it was this year. We had 43 catches for 10,000 or not 10,000, 1,055 yards. Um, yeah, like just an absolute deep threat with great speed. Um, it'll it'll be good to see him see him uh, with the quarterbacks in, in there. And then you got one last wide receiver that I have is Lawan Winningham. It's hard to find a lot of um, highlight reels, prolonged highlight reels on a lot of these guys, but in Winningham's highlight reel. I saw a guy that was, you know, could win jump ball battles, has got has got great body control and balance uh, out of central Arkansas in the last two years, 95 catches, 1,592 catches, 1,514 yards, and 13 touchdowns for the Bears. So a great receiver group. And, oh, man, I almost missed the most important guy. Uh, out of Little North Central University, out of um, – 
out of Ohio. We have uh, Andrew Kaminsky. And uh, if you haven't heard of Andrew Kaminsky's stats, you're in for a treat here. So in 2019, he had 133 catches for 2016 yards uh, with 31 touchdown receptions in 2019 uh, in 15 games on a, on a North Central team that went to the title game uh, in Division Three, And then this year, you know, a little bit of a downer, if you could say that, 75 catches for 12, 65 yards and 11 touchdowns. And this is a guy that will play the slot very well. Um, and, you know, don't sleep on him because he's D3, because you think of D3 receivers, Pierre Garcon out of Mount Union, who had a very long career too. And, I mean, even then, you know, in the past too, there's been slot receivers coming out of nowhere. Wayne Corbett out of the Jets from Hofstra. Uh, I got a great feeling about Kaminsky, and I think the country's going to be introduced to a legend here. But I just can't believe that stat line: thirty-one receiving touchdowns. Like that's like that's like franchise. Yeah, yeah it's, it's insane. Yeah, yeah, that is insane. Thirty-one receiving touchdowns. That's like an okay year for a quarterback. But like the fact that it's a receiver, like that, that's actually a pretty good year for a quarterback, actually. But like that's ridiculous for a receiver. Do they not like triple team him on that? Like, do they not put like a corner nickel and have a safety just they did, but but on the top? Like, how- I think so. But looking at his real, I mean, he just made some spectacular catches in traffic. Um, they got the ball to him in the flats too because he returns kicks as well. Um, he's got talk great- about talk about comfortable in space. That that's one thing I've read before that like GMs place a, a high value on receivers who have played punt returner before and kick returner because they're comfortable in space. They know how to navigate just physical space because it's a physical game and you need to know how to navigate that. So just something, to, something to think about. Uh, I'll quickly go over my two last guys for the, for the hula bowl. Uh, Antonio Valentino, I do a disservice to all you guys. If I didn't mention him, the, uh, the Florida nose tackle is a Penn state transfer uh, instinctive run stopper was the term used by the hula bowl in the announcement tweet for it, for his, him accepting his invite. Uh, I, I mean, I've watched every snap of him at Florida. The main thing is he has to improve on his gap as, you know, staying on his assignment, uh, gave up a touchdown versus Florida state, uh, but man, he has a solidly high ceiling with some good coaching. I mean, he can be great. So I'm really excited to see, uh, hopefully sparks an interest in the NFL, right. And someone will pick him up as a, as a UDFA or slip into the seventh round, but I, uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing Valentino, uh, also want to mention the uh, kicker for Wake Forest, uh, Nick Skyba. What if I told you that Mike Smith just needs to get to the opponent's 32-yard line and he's guaranteed points? Well, that's because Nick Skyba has been perfect from 30 to 49 yards uh, on the year. So he's 11 for 11, uh, which any time you get above 40 and still doing that, I mean, he's 7 for 7 from 40 to 49 yards on the year, which is just really good. So uh, looking forward to seeing what Nick can do and uh, hopefully go perfect in the hula bowl, get some, get some special, some extra points. Yeah, absolutely. And a fun fact there, I'm currently in a, in S Bullock with a, uh, with Nick Skiba's holder in high school, Chase Hill. So shout out, Chase, um, you know, um, yeah, no, I mean, most of his success in high school is due to you. So, I mean, pat yourself Completely on unplanned, for, by the way. Had no, no idea. not planned. So not planned awesome. at all. Uh, we've talked about it a little, you know. But, uh, yeah, no, shout out Chase Hill. So, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speed up my defensive guys. Hey, my man, you're, you're muted right now, so. 
cheat. That is awkward. So yeah, I was as I was saying. So I'm gonna speed through my uh, defensive players really quick, um, and then little talk a little bit about the Japanese players. You just mentioned them too because it's just great what they do with the hula bowl in growing our game. Um, you know, in those areas. So on defense, we got a couple. We had a few defensive backs that just rallied the ball and make plays in the backfield. Joey Blunt of UVA, 95 tackles in 2019. Antoine Kincaid, 100 tackles this year. Uh, one of my favorite, I think, is uh, one of my favorites is Luke Masterson, who had 13 and a half tackles for loss on Wake Forest on a much maligned Wake Forest defense. But this is a guy that will probably fit as a DB linebacker hybrid, played linebacker in at Wake Forest, but a little bit too small for the position but just gets in there and makes plays. Um, you got a lot of hard-nosed uh, defensive backs like that. Warren Saba for ECU, same thing. Makes solid breaks in the ball from uh, from watching him on film. Uh, four interceptions, five pass breakups. And for two Japanese players, as I pull those up, um, should have pulled up already, but uh, yeah, Hula Bowl Japan, going to find them. So yeah, so we got uh, we got Rio, I'm probably going to butcher this, Rio Miyazawa out of Oberlin University, and then Shigeya Masunami out of um, Kanza, Kansai University. So it's just great, both receivers. It's great to see the game grown and see these guys compete against, like get on the same field as like Nick Starkle and like Anthony Brown, a guy that was like in the, a, the guy that was a quarterback of a team that was in the thick of the playoff race in November. So I, I just love the Hula Bowl for that reason too. Uh, a lot of traditional been around since the 50s uh it's in orlando because um you know aloha stadium is is being torn torn down due to some structural issues hopefully it'll be back in hawaii soon but a lot of history here the game took a 15-year hiatus or excuse me not 15 it took a 12-year hiatus from 27 from 2007 to or 2008 to 2019 came back in 2020 um and it's just great to have the whole world back again too so yep yeah, absolutely. And uh, they definitely took the the following the model of the Pro Bowl, where they had the Pro Bowl there for so long in Hawaii, and then moved it to the Disney World for a little bit, right? So uh, following that model, I guess, placed by the NFL. But uh, yeah, we'll go ahead and move on to the Tropical, tropical Bowl, uh, which will also be played on the 15th, a little bit later in the day, I believe. Uh, I'll go ahead and go with, I mean, the star of the game, Cole Johnson, quarterback from James Madison, who we've talked about before, uh, just short of 3,800 yards, 41 touchdowns and four interceptions on the year. Uh, he's 6'5", 215. He was actually the basketball team captain and team MVP in high school. Uh, in the spring season, we reviewed how he performed very well in the FCS playoffs, ended up losing in the semifinal to a uh, eventual national champion, uh, Sam Houston State. His arm strength is just ridiculous. Like he has very good arm strength, but the vast majority of his throws are under 20 yards. So he doesn't really flaunt it all that much, uh, but uses it when he can. Uh, in the run game, he doesn't do anything like too special. He's definitely not a Cole Kelly or anything like that running the ball, but he, I mean, when he does run, he looks like Daniel Jones because it'll just lower the shoulder, like almost like, hey, slide right there, you know? I uh, don't, don't want to see him get hurt. Uh, I honestly love him as a UDFA sleeper. Uh, definitely going to be paying attention to Tom Pelissero's Twitter to see where he gets signed to after the draft. Uh, but, man, I mean, oh, one, one last thing I forgot to mention. When he scrambles and he ends up throwing, really good habit of just resetting his feet when he does that. Doesn't try and throw on the run, but scramble, get open, set his feet, and throw in so accurate. It's awesome. So, 
I'll say this. Um, yeah, so Cole Johnson, absolutely great year for James Madison. Um, you know, it's kind of I'm kind of surprised he didn't get a look from um even the hula bowl, honestly, too. I'm surprised they didn't give him a look or the NFLPA bowl, just given that he's from one of the biggest and most elite pro or one of the best, most elite programs in um the FCS. But you know, we're glad he's in the Citrus Bowl. Um uh, another quarterback in the Citrus Bowl. I mean, the quarterback group in the Citrus Bowl, I mean, not the Citrus Bowl, excuse me, the Tropic Bowl is um, the Tropical Bowl is um, it's it's a lot of kind of like remember that guy from college. Like you got Terry Wilson who led, who makes his return to the Citrus Bowl Stadium after uh, leading Kentucky to 2019 uh, Citrus Bowl win over Penn State. You got Anthony Russo who finished his career at Michigan State after a solid career at Temple. You got Jared Garantano, um, Tennessee great, who um, transferred to Washington State. So it's kind of cool to see these guys get one more game in a, in a historic stadium. Uh, the quarterback I'm going to talk about, though, is Drew Plitt out of Ball State, who uh, Ball State is a noted quarterback factory. As a quarterback, as they had Nate Davis drafted by the 49ers and now quarterback of uh, my hometown, Duke City Gladiators, set the indoor football league touchdown record with 79 last year. Shout out Nate Davis. Ball State, Muncie, Indiana, quarterback factory. Drew put is no different. He's got he's got solid mobility, solid ball placement on a, on a lot of tough balls in the red zone uh, from his highlight tape. Um, also punts the ball well. Had four punts for 143 yards uh, in 2020, including a punt, including a couple punts in back to back weeks down inside the five yard on, yard line in the MAC title game and in the Arizona Bowl against San Jose State. So. You know, don't be surprised if you see in, in, in his career, he's got seven punts. So it's not it's not a rare sequence to see him punting the ball. But you might see Drew put in a in a late December game, you know, playing the Big Ben role. You know, if, if a Mason Rudolph gets hurt, you might see Drew, Drew Plate go back for a, a quick kick. But uh, yeah, Drew Plate, just a good quarterback, had a great career at, uh, at Ball State, you know, won some games there for that program, a program that hadn't been to a bowl from 20 from 2014, excuse me, to 2019. So Drew played quarterback to watch, another quarterback to watch in the Tropical Bowl. If we get a quick kick in the, the Tropical Bowl, I think both of us might just like melt. That would be awesome. Let's see, right? In an all-star game, what, what a place to do it. That would be, I mean, it's in Orlando, right? That'd be magical, right? Better than anything Disney can do. So um, I'll go ahead and go with my next guy on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Tony Fair, the nose tackle from Auburn. And he's a space eater at 6'1", 330. Uh, he is experienced and mature, 25 years old. He's a UAB transfer. He's a, a dad. I mean, just a really mature, awesome guy. At UAB, 57 tackles, eight TFLs, and two sacks in just 18 games. Uh, hasn't had near that kind of production at Auburn, uh, but neither did Jordan Davis, right? On the stat sheet, at least, didn't have that kind of production. Uh, I mean, we know he can be productive, obviously. Hopefully the Tropical Bowl can, uh, you know, pull the best out of him, right? Hopefully we can see him uh, put some numbers up. That'd be awesome to see him come up, just shoot up that A-gap, get a nice sack. That'd be awesome to see. Yeah, absolutely too. Um, I mean, shoot, it's kind of weird to see a, see a guy transfer from Auburn to UAB. Um, you know, almost like up the highway down there in in Alabama. But just uh, you know, a solid career for the Blazers too, and a big part of their you know their continuing rise, which ended in a great win this year against BYU. 
Um, so yeah, sorry, I forgot. I forgot one quarter, one more quarterback too. Before I move on to my next guy, Weston Elliott out of Merrimack. Uh, Weston Elliott's a guy that is an absolute gunslinger. I mean, his tape was fun to watch because uh, on my notes here, I put takes a lot of risks and then fits some balls in, in some really tight windows. And to be honest with you, I don't know if that stuff would fly outside of the outside of the Northeast Conference, but he is so fun to watch. Thirty touchdowns, sixteen interceptions this year. He just needed a chance. He was buried in the depth chart of Louisiana Tech. Needed a chance. Um, can show out in some big games. He beat Holy Cross in her home opener the week after Holy Cross beat UConn. Um, really, really one of the more shocking upsets of the FCS season. But Weston Elliott, really great gunslinger there. Excited to see him work. I'm going to move on to a wide receiver that I called dibs on talking to in our notes, talking about in our notes, Trey Gross, a guy that we talked about in the spring and who got a good amount of exposure uh, in the spring when, uh, when Delaware state had a couple games, um, either broadcast live or on tape delay on ESPNU over the spring. Great exposure for the MIAC and Delaware State. But Trey Gross is a guy who's still my absolute love. Like, he is tall and physical. Um, high points the ball so well in the red zone. Uh, the thing that gets me is how great he is after the catch. Like, he'll make a guy miss with a quick move, but he's not afraid to just carry guys with him. And it's funny, too, because he's about 6'4", 210. He looks like a basketball player. He almost boxes players out like a basketball player would but he's just so darn physical. Um, and I, I hope my Niners snag him because, you know, the last time the Niners took a chance on a, on a wide receiver from Delaware State, he caught the game-winning touchdown in the Super Bowl against the Bengals. Shout out John Taylor. But Trey Gross, honestly, um, I kind of wish, I kind of would love to see him play in like the Hula Bowl, honestly, too, uh, because this man is, I mean, probably one of the better jump ball receivers, I think, in, in the FCS and maybe in college football. Yeah, absolutely. He he definitely is. I mean, uh, like you said, I mean, he's on a platform, right? There will certainly be NFL scouts in the building, certainly be a, you know, a chance to perform in front of, you know, decision makers and all that. So, um, yeah, so hopefully he, you know, really balls out because this is going to be his big opportunity and he gets a, gets a really good shot. Uh, I'll go ahead and go with uh, Marcus Williams, running back from Louisiana Tech. Uh, 194 attempts, 792 yards, and eight touchdowns on the year. So heavy workload. Also 20 receptions, just above 200 yards, and one touchdown uh, out of one receiving touchdown, that is. Um, one thing that's been interesting about he's had consistent production uh, between Appalachian State, he, he, where he transferred from, and Louisiana Tech, despite having four different head coaches at his time between the two schools. Uh, he's adapted to them all. I think it's affected his ability to read defenses a little bit because he hasn't had that consistent coaching. But uh, in his own words in an interview, he said, quote, I'm a player who has the speed to deliver yards, the agility to shake up defenders, and the hands to retain possessions and score consistently. So what more can you ask for a running back, right? So we'd love to see Williams really, uh, really show out. Absolutely. And I mean, Louisiana Tech, they produced some great running backs over the years. Kenneth Dixon, um, the first one that comes to mind, uh, had the touchdown war in 2015. But just the ability to adapt to coaches, we see the, the coaching carousel in the NFL. Um, you know, so it's, it's a common thing as well, too. And I mean, it's just not even just that. It's like free agency, too. Just being able to adapt to different coaching staffs. Uh, great talent to have. Excited to see him play in the, in the Tropical Bowl this Saturday. Uh, 
moving on to to the running the one running back i had and this guy's kind of like a swiss army knife uh he was a halfback fullback and a tight end we got jordan myers of rice and this guy he i mean whatever you name he did for the rice owls um played some running back uh started off as more more of a goal line back uh well actually he didn't start off as more of a goal line back he uh, started a couple games in general uh getting a lion's share that carries his freshman year then transitioned to more of a goal line back slash h back later on but uh for his career he's got nine 900, he's got 93 catches for 970 yards, uh, three touchdowns, 148 carries, 553 yards. They needed him back at running back. So he he responded, had a 160-yard game against Texas Southern this year. Um, also of note, too, he scored the first touchdown in Rice's stunning upset win against Marshall in 2020, a game which is which I think was probably one of the bigger upsets in 2020 in general, too. I don't think anyone saw that one coming, too, given that it was Marshall's first loss and um, sent them in a tailspin. But really excited to see, uh, see Jordan Myers because we see these like Swiss Army Knife type players uh, kind of like, I guess, coming, I, I guess, coming into the spotlight because you got Debo Samuel for the Niners, too. Um, you know, just taking like not even taking runs on the edge. Like they will talk the, the Niners will toss in the ball and he'll run inside between the tackles. Um, really, really interesting to see. And then you of course you got Cordell Patterson for the Falcons, too, who's been doing it for years, but you know, just became magnified this year and who was a Pro Bowl snub, to be honest with you. So it'll be great to see um to see Jordan Myers step into that position right there, um, of being that that sort of back, um, that Swiss Army knife. Yeah, absolutely. It definitely will be uh, awesome to see. Like you said, Swiss Army now, he's playing every position on the field, right? Uh, so that'll be that'll be awesome to see. And hopefully they take advantage of that and, you know, get a little opportunity on special teams as well. Uh, I'm going to go uh, special teams on my next guy. Uh, ben Neeser, the punter from Valpo, 13 punts of 50-plus yards on the year. He's a self-taught punter, didn't even start punting until his senior year of high school. He has some athleticism in him, too. He's a high school basketball athlete and also had a 17-yard run versus North Dakota State for a first down. Uh, he's worked to be really hard to be able to do four or five different types of punts. He's pro-style rugby spirals. I mean, he, he's got a, a lot, a lot of tools in his toolbox. Uh, despite not being single like you, Omar, I actually watched the seven-minute highlight tape of him, and uh, man, he, he's done some really solid stuff. A lot of punt returns backtracking and their steps once he punts, so he, he's going further than expected above and beyond, you could say. That was unnecessary, but I mean, I, I, I mean, I see the link in our notes. I'm probably gonna check out the the punter tape too, um, because it's interesting. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, he was also in the FCS bowl last week, performed well enough too. Um, and that's 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 a Valpo program that, to be honest with you, doesn't get much exposure out in the Pioneer Football League. Um, if it's not San Diego, um, even Davidson is kind of underexposed to, despite winning the the league crown in two straight years. Um, so it's just it's just an interesting situation there too, but great to see Neesner getting some um, getting some attention there out, um, in this bowl game. So I'm gonna move on to a couple a pair of wide or, or I guess yeah some wide receivers. We got B.J. Bird who was a Walter Payton finalist. Um, absolutely great year for Moorhead State, staying in the Pioneer Football League. 90 catches, 1313 yards with 13 touchdowns. A lot of 13s there, kind of coincidence. But looking at his tape, he is an outstanding uh, route runner. He lays out for balls. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see him work against these D-backs. He was running some crisp routes out there for Moorhead State, a Moorhead State team that was in the thick of the Pioneer Football League race um, until late, until they faded down the stretch. But I think I think they have the tools to make their first playoff appearance. 
yeah, that would be awesome to see uh, them have the opportunity to to do that. And man, uh, hopefully he can he can show out this uh, this Saturday. I'm gonna go ahead and go with my last guy. Uh, I know I went special teams next to last, but Ted Cabongo, the running back from British Columbia, actually, right? So from British Columbia, got to represent Canada a couple times playing against Chase Young, Trevon Diggs, DeAndre Swiss. So he's gone against some of the best before. Uh, he mentioned all three phases of being running back are important, running, catching, and pass protecting. Something you love to see, especially from an international player. Fingers crossed he's Hey, bro. Fingers crossed he's invited to the NFL Combine and uh, he can make a tremendous impression. If not, the Tropical Bowl is certainly where he can make one. Hey, you're muted, man. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm impressed with how you picked up, um, picked up from where you started um, after we had some technical difficulties. Um, we'll see. Hopefully um, nothing's lost there. If if the whole thing is lost and uh, if the whole recording is lost, then I don't I don't know what I'll do. But anyway, yeah, no, I mean, there's a great pipeline between Canadian players to uh, the uh, I guess to the NFL. I, I mean, the East West Shrine game since 1985 has had a Canadian player play. Um, it's cool that the Tropical Bowl is uh, carrying on that tradition of uh, Canadian players playing against American players. Um, like we said, just growing the game, even though the game is pretty much as grown as it's supposed to be in, in Canada, it's it'll be interesting to see how Kabongo does against um, you know D one or yeah Division one guys. So. I'm going to move on and talk about a few guys on defense. Just going to group them together really quick. So from San Diego, again, staying in the Pioneer Football League, we got Michael Hawkins. Makes a lot of plays in the backfield. Not afraid to get his nose in there and um, make some good hits. Solid return man as well. Um, had some very good returns on his highlight reel. Uh, a couple of guys, too, that were impressive on the stat sheet. We had Anthony Tedesco from Delaware Valley. Um, 2021 Mac, as in Mid-Atlantic Conference Defensive Player of the Year with 83 tackles, <clears throat> 8 TFLs, 3 forced fumbles. Uh, he has 28 career tackles for loss. A little bit small at 6'1", 225, but we'll see how he does, honestly. Um, we also have Chris Rice, a defensive end slash uh, linebacker from Castleton, and I'm excited to see what he does. Um, he had 20 In 2018, he had 22 and a half tackles for loss. 2019, he had 18 tackles for loss. Uh, 2021, he had 23 tackles for loss. Really dominant edge rusher looking at his film, too. Um, he's, at, he's at 6'3", 245 pounds. Um, so it kind of fits like that you know that sort of edge rusher outside linebacker type should be running out of a two point uh if you get to look from the pros but out of little castle in vermont i'm excited to see what chris rice does in this uh this all-star game hopefully he gets a udfa look yeah hopefully and i mean i don't know a lot if a lot of people know how udfa works right but like it's not like the MLB where like there's like 30 what 30 35 rounds right so NFL draft used to be longer, but then they cut it to just seven. Like Izzy says, just seven. Like it's not long enough, right? Um, and then, but actually, most of your rookie class is UDFAs. Uh, and a lot of UDFAs will have, I mean, like almost 32 offers from, you know, a lot of different places. Um, so, yeah, that's how it works. And I mean, you can choose which place is best for you. I know Tony Romo got an offer for a UDFA offer from Denver for a lot more money. 
took the choice to go to Dallas because it just made more sense for him, more of an opportunity. So that's the great thing about being the UDFA and kind of pick where you get to go. Uh, obviously you're not as coveted after if you're not drafted, but uh, a lot of these guys that end up being UDFAs, I mean, some of them are as high as like fourth round grades on some big boards. Right. So that, that's really the benefit of there. But uh but yeah, I mean, that wraps it up for me. Omar, you yeah. want to tell uh, where everyone can watch these games Saturday? Yeah, but before that, I wanted to say the best for last. Uh, we got two Ivy League players playing this game. Oh, yeah. We have Melvin right. Rouse, uh, wide receiver um, and defensive back, too. He played corner as a junior, uh, electric return man, had a 100-yard kickoff return on the first play of the season against Holy Cross uh, for Yale in 2019. Um, imagine starting a season like that, opening kickoff of the season for a touchdown. 85-yard punt return in the rain against Columbia. Um, really good slot receiver, too. Just catches the ball in the flats very well, moves very well. 5'9", 178. I think he can get a look as a return man, honestly, in, in, uh, in the future in the NFL. There's also a tight end, too, J.J. Howland, also the Yale, also the Yale Bulldogs. He had 18 catches for 326 yards in 2019, and in 2021, he had... Jeez, should have these stats pulled up. When will I ever learn? But um, in 20, in 20, 2021, excuse me, he had a pretty solid year as well. 16 catches, 238 yards, and a touchdown in the game against Harvard. Uh, we know the Ivy League produces tight ends left and right. I mean, tight ends and fullbacks. You got James Devlin, who was a mainstay on the Patriots for years out of Brown. Yeah, Kyle Juszczyk out of, uh, you know, out of Harvard for the Niners, uh, paving holes and doing everything for that for the Niners, honestly. You got Anthony Ferkser and Cameron Brait, two more tight ends out of Harvard. Uh, Brait, honestly, would be starting for a lot of teams in this league. Uh, and would be starting for the Buccaneers if, Gronk, if Rob Gronkowski weren't there. Anthony Ferks are a really solid tight end in uh, the Titans scheme. And even uh, Jesper Horstead catching a couple touchdowns this year for the Bears out of Princeton. So, um, you know, J.J. Howland, Howland, excuse me, he could find a, a place on a roster too. Um, you know, good deep threat tight end too. He's got great yard. He's got a great yards per catch for a tight end. So had to save the best for last with our two Ivy League players out of Yale, hoping to make a bulldog, bulldog, bow, wow, wow, e Eli Yale out of the tro- out of the Citrus Bowl um, for the Tropical Bowl. So, but yeah, like you said, that game will be at noon Eastern on uh, the Tropical Bowl's website. So very convenient and easier to access, frankly, than uh, CBS Sports Network uh, for the Hula Bowl at 4 p.m. Yeah, it, it definitely will be. So definitely, definitely something to watch. And I mean, that was the that was the whole thing with the Arizona Bowl. It's going to be on Barstool's website and live streamed on Barstool's YouTube channel. There was a UTS uh, USA Today article that was about how inaccessible it was and how, you know, how no one could watch it, but it was actually more expensive to pay for the article than it was to watch the Arizona Bowl. So uh, that's one of the great things about it being live streamed online. Yeah, I mean, not much national exposure, but the people that matter are going to be watching it. So, uh, so yeah, man, that, that wraps up for me. Anything else for you, man? No, but um, be on the lookout for us doing these previews each week um, yeah. or the week of these games. Um, the schedule goes, we have the uh, NFL PA Bowl on the 29th. And then um, that the week of the, the first week of February, you got the Shrine Bowl. Um, and then you have the Senior Bowl two days later. And then to wrap a bowl on things, we have the HBCU Legacy Bowl, which we'll hope to collab with um, our, our friend of the channel, uh, Dwayne from the Yard 8. HBCU sports. So just a lot of exciting things coming up for these all-star games too. And just to wrap a bow on just a, a great comeback year for college football, with the fans back in the stands and everything. Um, so, yeah.
Yeah, definitely. Plenty of all-star games. And uh, hopefully we can get a couple more interviews lined up as well. Uh, yeah, until then, uh, we will we will talk to you about the NFL PA Bowl. <laughs> yep. And until next time, peace, love, soul, and Melee Kaliki Hula Bowl.